Hello and welcome to the uplevelmind.com podcast. My name is Drasco and I'm your host for this Real Talk segment where each episode I bring on a heart-centered entrepreneur and live on the call coached him through one central question. Are my business problems actually me problems? In that, I help them uncover why despite knowing all of the business strategies and having done all of the business courses, they are unable to get past their current revenue plateau. Each guest leaves with a deeper understanding of what inner narratives and patterns they need to overcome to realize their next revenue milestone. Without further ado, here's today's guest. Today's guest is Stuart Cruz, who founded Cruz Asset Management, a boutique quantitative investment firm on the idea that investment advisors need to be better. Um, we should basically be striving to be able to level up the playing field versus just the institutions of Wall Street. And in that, we should be able to add value and advisors should be able to pay for themselves. These are the sentiments that uh, Stuart brings to the conversation today and with his asset management firm. So Stuart, thank you very much for being on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Looking forward to it. You're very welcome. And uh, actually, I have to say, you are the first uh, investment advisor that is uh, on the show. I, I can imagine this type of uh, environment or this type of vulnerability isn't exactly <laughs> the, the, the utmost priority for like the stereotypical uh, investment advisor, Wall Street person. So it's good to be number one. So I just want to commend yeah. you, A, for that. Uh, and B, I'd love to know more about your story with regards to like how you got to doing what you're doing. And uh, ultimately, what brings you here? Um, wow, it's a, it's a long path. You know, I got some gray hairs in there, so it took me a while to get to where I'm at. Um, but starting with the investment advisory work, uh, some friends and I back in the late 90s during the dot-com craze, we took a real estate investment trust of golf courses public. And everybody, of course, wanted this dot-com. And we were owning a REIT that was paying 6%. So it kind of imploded on itself. And then ultimately... Um, we said, well, what do we want to do? And I looked around and I was leaning towards finance and looked at venture capital and looked at uh, derivatives trading and looked at private equity sales. And I thought investment management was a good, a good avenue to kind of get a little bit of a taste of everything in that. So when we're working with clients or high level clients, we get to help them buy and sell businesses. We get to plan for their future. We get a lot of, a lot of different activities associated with it. So I started, got my desk back in the late nineties and then the financial crisis happened and we had three down years where I'm trying to build up my financial advisory service business and three down years. And so I made it through that. And then in 2007, decided to open up my own firm. And of course the financial crisis hit 2007, 2008. So I was trying to build up my own company in the worst financial crisis in 50 years. So had a couple of these go go through when I'm going through uh, transitions. And now I've been in business since, uh, as I said, 07. So um, 15 years and continue to grow. Um, probably asked me why I was on the show a little bit. I probably stalled to some extent and um, I grew super fast. And I think throughout history, I've done this in other careers who have grown really fast and hit a plateau. Kind of at a plateau where I'm at right now, and um, so that's what your your show kind of intrigued me about that. Maybe we can okay. get by this. Awesome. Plateau. So, 
Well, well, first and foremost, I mean, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, like if you start something in the least opportune time and you grind through it and, and you come out on the other side successful, right? Like starting investment firm in the, like you said, lowest um, like environment for that in that time, I think is super commendable and I think lays testament to the depth of experience you bring to everything that you do, right? It's kind of like, yeah, it's not just theoretical. It's like, I've been in the trenches and I know what's going on. So I'm excited to dive into all of that. Um, second thing, so you mentioned there is a general pattern of things go really well, things go like really fast. And then at some point that then they stall out. So I'm just curious, is this a pattern that, has repeated itself many times in different instances, or it only repeats itself at work. Like, just tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I can see that it has happened where looking back through some careers where um, I know that just for example, many years ago, even decades ago, um, I was in a transition space and I was doing work and I was actually putting computer consultants to work in various areas in Chicago. That's where we're from, from Chicago. And so I was just going out to different companies and placing, you know, consultants in their office space and work, work, work. And I got to be one of the top uh, executives in the branch very quickly and then just leveled out. And so it was frustrating to me. Then I got into the financial services field and a couple of times when I've had to change jobs or I've moved to a different place, um, you know, work, 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 work and get to a certain spot and then seem to level out. So there's clearly something that's happening there where um, either I don't know if I lack the skill set or the, you know, the whatever it is to get me to that next level and to level up. So now it. it has happened before. Got it. Okay. So how do you define leveling out? Leveling out or leveling up? L leveling out. Cause you said, okay, like I, you know, took this consultancy thing and I was, you know, doing all the executive functions there was really good. Then it leveled out. Then I changed roles, went into different industries, went into different jobs, same thing, really good. Then it leveled out. Now the same thing is happening. So I have an idea of what that looks like, but I want to know what your specific idea and what it, like, how yeah, well, does it manifest for you? Well, without going into dollar amounts, I, you know, I think most people listening to your show would consider that I'd make a, re, a pretty nice living. Um, but I have been flat for five, six, seven years, where in the past it's been, you know, when I was making almost nothing or starting from scratch and literally making nothing the trajectory was very steep. And same thing when I got into that uh, consulting business, I was starting off with more or less nothing um, and then just shot up to a certain point and then leveled out income wise. Um, similarly, there have been times where, again, you, depending on what the situation is, sometimes I'm making a salary and other times I was on commission in my past life and <clears throat> drive, 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 drive. And then probably get to a certain level of comfort and just kind of plateau. So I will say in the past, it was a lot easier to identify when I was younger because there were things that were very easy for me to see that I just wasn't doing. Like either I wasn't working as hard, wasn't making as many meetings, wasn't making as many phone calls. And I was just not working as hard. So I got a little bit lazier. But right now I am not being lazy 
and I'm still at a plateau. So um, it's it's interesting. And I will find you, I want to touch back on something that you asked about before. Like I started my business and both of my businesses right before these crashes happened. So it wasn't intentional that I was turning to build these businesses in a crash, but I got my desk at Lehman in um, November of 1999. And the peak of the market was four months later in March of 2000. So it seemed like a heyday. And then we had three years of hell. And then I left um, Bear Stearns in uh, January of 07. And the financial crisis didn't actually start happening until like three to six months after that. So I was building this business. They kind of came on me. Now, the only one I didn't have a transition was, was like COVID. And when COVID happened, the stock market fell by 30, 40%. And that's a revenue hit to me by about 30 or 40%. To me, it looked like an opportunity because a lot of people were panicking and being upset. So I spent a lot of time going out there and talking to people. Um, but in between those times, it, there seems to be some sort of set of complacency, even though I feel like I'm working very hard right now. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So then one aspect of it is income. So my my income is relatively flatlined, right? One aspect of it is despite that there is a level of comfort, right? Like it's not like uh, those times where I was panicking and there was zero. So there's, there's a level of comfort, complacency, whatever you want to call it. Um, anything else as far as your definition of leveling out then? Well, I think, you know, I mean, you can get into the whole definition of work-life balance and whatnot. And I do, I think I do a reasonably good job of that. And I've always, but, uh, you know, perhaps when I was really working hard, I was neglecting a lot, a big portion of that. So I have four kids and uh, married and um, I have other outside activities. So I, I like to take good care of my health and I like to, you know, do other things. So it is perhaps that I just put everything to the side at the, you know, at the benefit of this job and getting to a particular level of income. And then once I got to that level, I started bringing these other things back in. So that's definitely a possibility. Um, so, but I do feel like I'm kind of at a plateau everywhere. Yeah. Okay. So, and I'm just going to like review for my own confirmation, right? So before, whether it was inspired by circumstances and like the need of those circumstances, like I just had to work hard. I had to put other responsibilities and priorities on the side because like I just needed to go make this happen. That was reflected in the growth as far as income is concerned. That became comfortable. So I started reallocating some of my attention and resources towards my other responsibilities and the other things that are important to me in my life. And then as a result, the income leveled out. So would, would that be accurate as far as what you're describing? Exactly. So that's my perception of what happened. And again, my, my also perception is, you know, you with the coaching on side will say, Hey, maybe not, that's not that accurate of what really happened, but that's my perception or at least my rationalization. So I'm able to, <clears throat> still live at a very comfortable level. Um, but, you know, it, these other things that are also very important to me, I need to prioritize. And so I'm okay with not growing anymore. So maybe that's in my headspace right now. Okay. So actually that, that leads into what I was going to ask you next, which is why is this a problem for you? Yeah. I feel like I'm not living up to my potential. 
feel like I could be growing faster. I feel like I should be doing more. I feel like I could be, I have the skills, the tool set, the ability, and quite frankly, almost the responsibility. I mean, really how I look at this industry of financial asset management, I mean, honestly, I think a lot of the advisors are, there are some great ones out there, but there are a lot of really bad ones and not qualified ones out there. Um, so I feel like it's my responsibility to do more in that space and to do better. And so, and quite frankly, I'd, just for my own ego, I'd love to have a bigger presence. So yeah, I would want to continue to do that. And I'm in my mid fifties right now and I've hit my peak. It's kind of sad to me, <laughs> I would think. So I would really want to continue to prosper and continue to grow and continue to build something that's worthwhile. Got it. Okay. So there's more potential that you know that you can give. Sure. There's a level of professionalism as far as like, you know, the, this industry is deeper for you than just pocket seams. Cause like, you're like, yeah, I don't, I, I, it's like, to me, what I'm hearing kind of between the lines is like, I want to be the one that contributes to the rising tide that raises all ships. Like the, the standard yep. of professionalism with advisors like needs to be better and, and I need to do better to kind of contribute to that. Like it would that be accurate. Okay, perfect. Mm -hmm. So in that instance, what I'm also hearing is depending on the words that you want to use, but it, it's some level of lack of clarity and, and, and value conflict, right? So like on the one hand, there is, well, there's these other priorities that are important to me family, health, you know, outside things. And I know I need to allocate X amount of resources to be fulfilled there. And then there's obviously way more potential on the work side of things. So how do I navigate the balance of that and then also experience more? Is that accurate? Yep. Sounds okay. great. So our brains are always going to default to more, right? I could run harder, lift more. I could spend more quality time and make more quality time with my kids, right? More on the personal side. I could always do more. There's more potential. There, there's more that I can do. There, there's always more. So the more part is never ending. What I don't hear really defined is what's your closer. And what I mean by closer is what is it that you actually want in clear terms? Because then that'll determine what is the next best step for you to move closer towards that. Because more is you can have more everywhere. So then we kind of have nowhere to go. So what, what's, what's your closer? Closer. So I, um, I don't know if I have this uh, concept right, but do I have a clearly defined goal? So we... In our business, we look at assets under management. So if you have how many assets under management you have, and if we're sitting at, let's say, I'm sitting roughly around, we'll call it $70 million, right? So I'm managing $70 million, doing fine. My next level up would be $100 million. That's a good level to have. So I'm managing $100 million. Um, and then, of course, if I wanted to continue going on, you would have these different levels. I... I'm somewhat frustrated because I know of people managing in the billions that don't have the same skill set that I have. And that's frustrating to me. And I think we can do better. We can do better than those people managing billions of dollars, be better for the people that 
are being managed by those other people and level up our industry as well along the way. So how do we get there? Okay. So stepping stone. So here I'm at a low stepping stone of 70 million. Again, making a reasonable amount of money, but I need to get to 100 million. And I've been stuck at this kind of level for years now. I was on this nice trajectory and now I'm kind of just flatlined. Got it. So you mentioned, okay, there's people managing billions that have a lower skill set than than I do, right? So what does that mean about you? To me, it feels like I'm. that means I'm not living up to my potential. Okay, so how so? Um, well, I, I guess if that person can be managing, let's just go with a billion dollars, um, and I put all this work into it, and there's a whole slew of people out there that need better advice, and I am here knowing I could give those people better advice, then I feel like, A, I'm doing myself a disservice, I'm doing them a disservice, I'm doing my family a disservice, I'm doing the industry a disservice by not leveling every everything up. Okay. So other people managing more and me having a bigger skill set to be able to manage more means I'm doing a disservice to the world in some way. Yes. Okay. So is that really true? People connecting with me, myself, and people connected like my family, people that work for me. I mean, the whole, my whole ecosystem, right? Okay. Um, So is that really true? Is it true? Yeah. I, if I think I can do a better job than them and they are managing... 150x times what I'm managing. So um, I would say, yes, it is really true. Would those people, those clients of that billion dollar manager think it's true? I don't know. That's my job to show them that it is because they actually, in theory, are happy and don't know. Right. And But that, I that's... actually have the skill set to determine whether I am a better money manager than this other person. That's a little bit of the irony of this whole thing. Um, people that come to advisors to have them manage their money, usually quite often, uh, more often than not, in my experience, the reason why they're hiring a portfolio manager is because they don't feel comfortable managing their own assets or they need something, you know, they need to spend time doing something else. Like I have an engineering degree. I, in theory, know how a car works, but I can't evaluate one mechanic versus another mechanic. I just don't have the skill set. I don't have the knowledge to understand. So somebody, if I went and tried to choose between the two, I would not know how to pick between those two people. It has nothing to do with my intellect. I just don't have the skill set to evaluate them, nor do most of our clients have the skill set to evaluate us. And so in my, I do believe that a lot of these people are being underserved by being with large banks and big brokerage firms because they just don't understand what the differences are. Right. So it's a, it's a base knowledge disconnect, right? Like the, the people as experts, we have the skill set and the knowledge that the people that we serve don't. So you, you have a different perspective with which to view this. So I understand the frustration of like, well, I know where you're going, but like, you're making a mistake, but I can't prove to you that you're making a mistake. So it's like this whole loop. And, and, and I understand that. 
100%. The reason that I ask this line of questioning is like where your brain goes to when I ask them is towards the externals, right? Like we started this line of questioning by basically saying, okay, well, what, what, what is, what is my vision? Like what is Stuart's vision of all of this? Like what is it that you truly want to move towards, right? Where your brain goes to when you begin to explore that question is really around the externals, right? It's basically a should, right? I have a better skill set. I should be further ahead than that. Look at all the other people. Why are they going there? What's wrong that this external circumstance isn't going there? And that might all be true. Like, like they, they might actually be factually true that you could provide data that like, yes, I, I have a better skill set and it's factual. Why I'm asking you these questions is at the end of the day, you're not at peace with regards to where, where you're at. And I'm not even saying like be at peace and be complacent, not at all. You could be at peace and still be very ambitious, right? There is a level of comparison in what you're doing that skirts around, okay, well, what is it truly that I want, right? Like that's the part that I'm not really hearing in your answers because we all have more potential that we can go to, but like, is there a version of you that could be completely blissfully happy managing 70 million? And would that be a bad thing? I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer, but it's worthwhile exploring. Yeah, I don't, I think the short answer is no. I don't think there's an answer. I don't think there's a, a world where I am always happy managing 70 million. I think there's a world where I need to continue to grow. Um, <clears throat> I, I think in the past I've had, so I've had relationships in the past where um, my nickname was Flatline, right? So I've had a girlfriend call me Flatline. So in my, hey, I'm super excited. This is me super excited. This is me losing a giant gain of client. Like I have no emotional ups and downs. So if I just got a huge client, I celebrate for like the, you know, 15 minutes and then I move on. And if I just lost something, I'm like, oh, that sucks. Okay, move on. Um, but I'm always wanting to progress. And I think that's part of the human condition and part of human nature. So yeah, that's why I was a little torn on the, yes, there's always more. And I get that in some level you should and I try to be appreciative of where I'm at. And I try to do that every day, literally take time out of my day every day to be appreciative of what I have and where I'm at. But I do think that unless you're growing as a person, then I, I think you, on some level you're could be dissatisfied. That doesn't mean that you're unhappy with where you're at right now, but I do believe that you should have aspirations to grow on some level on something. And if you're not, then I think that's that's kind of a sad thing. And I don't really want to be in that place at this point in my life. Um, so I do want to continue to grow. But you're asking for very specific things. So I have, have goals. I just don't know how to, I, know, I guess I don't know how to articulate what else that um, the reasons behind the growth other than that. Got it. Yeah. And Actually, 110%, I, I agree with you, right? It's, it's, I, I fully support the growth. I think that that's a beautiful thing. Um, 
this was more just getting the the, the lay of the land. So have you ever read uh, The Big Leap or familiar with The Upper Limit Problem? No. Okay. So I actually highly recommend uh, picking up The the Big Leap by, by Gay Hendricks. He literally talks about the, this very thing where it's like the, the, the ceiling and then there's a part of us that always in some way, shape or form sabotages, whether through drama, whether through our own thing, that next level, right? And that's what he calls not being able to get through The Big Leap. So a highly recommend uh, picking that up. I think it'll help you. And in that space, so if you had to imagine that a part of you gains a benefit by not going over that ceiling, what do you think that benefit might be? By gaining a benefit by not going over the ceiling, by not getting to a hundred million. Um. By stalling, like so, because you said leveled out multiple times. This is a pattern. So, yeah. if you can imagine that there's a part of you that has or gets a benefit out of you leveling out, what do you think that might be? Yeah, I think since I, you know, where I'm at. So, let's say if I'm at seventy million dollars, just if I were going to be proportional about this and got to hundred million, maybe that's roughly 50% upside, a little bit less, but let's call it 50% upside. Maybe that in my head requires 50% more work, which in my world is probably next to impossible for me to do. So, um, you know, I get up and I'm with the family and with the kids, I guess it's, it would be possible without all the other add-ins, right? I'd have to neglect my family, my children, my workouts, my, you know, travel, anything else that I was doing that outside of work. I don't believe that to be the case because clearly there are people managing much larger sums without working 50% more than me. Um, but that would be a perceived benefit. Like maybe I'd just have to work so hard or I'd have so many additional problems and so many additional things that I'd have to manage that I just, I just don't want to do it. It Got could it. be that also um, when we have a very small staff here, I have a partner, uh, one assistant, I would say I'm not particularly amazing at managing people. Um, my wife is much better at that. And so if I have to add on additional staff, I probably struggle a little bit with, you know, managing that personnel. And so maybe that would be, I, I don't have to manage that those extra people then I can just do what I'm doing and everything is fine. Everything's fine. All right. Got it. Okay. So <laughs> when you verbalize that, does something come up for you? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a real concern. It's something that I've outwardly expressed. Like I had recently hired somebody to do some additional work and I've struggled actually to get them more engaged. So it's a, and then knowing that I have to spend time with that additional person that's in theory supposed to free up my time takes more time initially. So it's a little frustrating because I feel like I don't have that window. Um, so to me, it's a real thing. It's not just a hypothetical because it actually happens to me. So I've seen it happen. So um, yeah. Got it. Okay. So what I want to reflect back to you then is we started this conversation with me saying, okay, like there, there seems to be a values conflict in this. Right. And what I'm observing when you speak about the potential benefit of the leveling out, 
Like if you look at the, the patterns you described, so when there's nothing and I'm in this crappy situation circumstantially, like I go all in, single focus, nothing else exists. I get not just the job done, but I over deliver over the long haul until the job is there. And I keep doing this until what? Until it gets comfortable. Okay. This oh. has been a pattern repeated multiple times. And given what you've described, like you've been in situations where it's, it's, you kind of kill what you eat, commission, your own business, right? Like that, that, that sort of environment, which obviously is, is very much prone to th this type of pattern. The harder I work, the, the more I earn. That is in direct contrast to the other parts of your life that, that you want to nurture and experience. So if there's no circumstantial and external pressure to actually have like a legit reason as to why I'm neglecting all these other parts, as you just mentioned right now, there is a part of you conscious or not, but that's like, okay, so if I do get 30 more million under my assets, that's 50% more work. I already work pretty hard. So it's kind of like, why would I want to do that? Like there's a part of you that's going to resist that quite a bit, right? So that's a direct conflict between the parts of you that want the balance and in the parts of you that, that want the work. And I know this isn't like anything revolutionary new for you to like hear, but what I'm presenting to you is like, that benefit of you not excelling, of you not passing the current level is extremely real and it needs actual attention from you, right? That's number one. Number two, if you want to talk about the, the upper limit problem, right? Why can't other people do it? And then I can't when I have a technically better skill set. Like at one point in this conversation, you mentioned, okay, well, am I just missing skills? Like, well, I don't, I don't understand why I can't do it, right? If the delegation piece, if the letting go, if the control piece isn't as high in terms of competency as your actual technical ability, that is the limiting factor to you being able to actually grow. Because you said it yourself, like I have I can't work any much like I'm I'm done out working. Otherwise I blow myself up, I burn out or I burn out my, you know, relationships and other things. So really you're in a situation where there's a part of you that doesn't want to work more because it means negating certain values and there's another part of you that either is missing the skill set or has more work to do to like let go, delegate whatever the, the control pieces are of that to free up your capacity to be able to handle and hold 50% more uh, assets. So I know I threw a lot your way, what, what lands for you? Yeah, well, I mean, that's true. And I will say in definitely in the past, I've struggled with, you know, everything kind of has to go through me. And so clearly I'm the bottleneck and everything when that happens. Um. I did bring on somebody that I had known for a long period of time and um, he's been with me for a couple of years now and he's worked out great. And I turned over all my trading, all portfolio management, a lot of stuff that I did and shifted my, my focus point from 
just the trading and portfolio management to raising assets and let him handle all of that. And he's doing great. And he and I get along really well. Um, it's worked out really well. I've got no problem just like delegating that. Um, I will say in the past, it was def definitely a challenge. It was hard for me to, to do that. But still, I'm still kind of stuck. So I don't know, like I've tried to delegate asset management and raising assets and it's just been unsuccessful. Um, hired multiple, multiple people to do that very thing. And, uh, you know, again, maybe it's my leadership skills or what have you, but I was raising more money than they were raising while I was managing the portfolio and doing the research and whatnot. So that, that didn't work out. Um, but again, I wasn't that frustrated because in my field and in my industry, usually about 80 plus percent of the people that enter my field wash out. So they can't generally make it. Um, and it's, it's a challenge. So to have a, two or three people not be able to make it, it's not really unusual. I, and I don't have the breadth of, let's say, uh, I don't know, Morgan Stanley to hire a hundred people, watch 80 of them wash out and have 20, 20 unknown, you know, which of the 20 that are going to make it, they, they hope all hundred are going to make it, but only 20 are due. And, you know, I just don't have that breath to hire that many people. So I have to kind of hire one or two at a time and hope that it works out. So I took over the, the marketing side and the asset race, and I gave up all of the underlying portfolio management to somebody else that I trust has been working out great. And maybe we did level up a little bit, like maybe we were at 50 million or 50, you know, in the last couple of years we leveled up, but again, we feel a little stuck. So there was a, a shift and it, it did help, but I feel like where we're at now, we could be easily managing twice as much money, easily. Got it. If not. So what is like your zone of genius in your work? Because <laughs> it's, it's, I don't think there's even a desire to really manage people, right? So what is like yeah. your zone of genius, if you had to say it? For me, it's the what gives me the competitive advantage is, is actually all the research. So how I founded the company was based off of some quantitative research that I did. And so what we do is we pick stocks and bonds and build models based off of the numbers and the statistical research. And I've written a book on it. And when I come into a conversation, if I talk about the underlying research, that if it jives with the client, it's my distinguishing characteristic and factor. And since I did all the work, then I, I really know it inside out. I can, you know, I can have a good conversation. So if I walk into a room with 10 financial advisors, if one of them is really good at understanding how to work with single concentrated stock, I'm going to lose that conversation, right? And if somebody's really good at municipal bond funds, I, I'm going to lose that conversation. But if the, if the client happens to be more quantitative minded, like engineers or what have you, and we're talking about quant related asset management, I'm probably going to win that conversation over all of them. And I'm going to get that client's money and his, his trust and, and we're going to have a long standing relationship. So that would be my distinction and level. And so I use that as my asset raise and I continue to want to do that too. Got it. So within your actual organization, how much of your time is allocated towards that? 5%. Okay. Do you think that could also be a limiting factor to the growth that you're experiencing? Um. It's my perception that 
I probably have enough material and enough knowledge and I'm doing enough to continue that conversation. And I just need to have more conversations um, or and or need to build more relationships with centers of influence like CPAs and more bigger relationships. Um, I don't actually, I would love to do more research. Like I am stopping myself from doing more research. I would love to like do more machine learning and sit in front of my computer and do the work. Like I, it, it, it thrills me. It actually thrills me. I enjoy it. Um, I just, you just don't grow. Like I'm literally in my computer talking to nobody, not getting in front of any clients. And it's really being out in front of people and, and kind of relaying the message in our, hopefully our mission of what we're trying to do that brings assets in the door and grows the firm. So I do think I have enough message. So I wish the answer was do more research, but I don't think it is. Fair enough. So hypothetically speaking, what would have to change to put you to do, say, instead of five, 30% more research? Um, I would have to find somebody that was good at raising money. Okay. Somebody and... that was good, yeah. which is the, that's the unicorn in our business, right? That's the, that's the holy grail. That's if you find a guy that can raise assets, kind of pay him whatever you can. So like, I'm looking at buying another firm right now and the guy's a brilliant guy and he does his PhD in, in biochemistry and blah, blah, blah. And he would make, you know, great to do some of the research and some, you know, stuff that I want to talk to him about and build the whole sets of models that I think people would be interested in, in biotech and yada, yada. He can't raise that money. He is aware he can't raise money because he's just not that good at sales, even though that's what he wants to do. He's just not good at it. And that tends to be the limiting factor in our business, just actually raising the money and getting in front of people and getting people to trust them and move the money over. It, that tends to be the very thing that I seem to be reasonably good at relative to other people. It's not necessarily a thing I actually want to do, but when I look throughout my history of raising money and being in this field, that's the thing that's enabled me to stay afloat, to not be part of that 80% that got washed out or the 90 plus percent that gets washed out after the first five years. Um, that's the thing that's enabled me to stay in business. That was what enabled me to stay in business while I was trying to float three other guys trying to raise money for me. Um, I was funding that their lifestyle and their salary on my skill set. So I would love to. I would love to find somebody that could raise money. I think again that the the problem is I have to hire, I have to hire ten guys to hopefully get one guy that's successful. I just don't have the I don't have the resources for that right now. Got it. So again, I know I keep going back to that book, but like what you're just describing right now, it's like okay, so the research is my zone of genius. The raising of the money and being able to grind that out, that's a zone of excellence. Right. And, and that's really the distinguishing factor he describes there, where it's like we oftentimes get stuck out of dependency, whether it be dependencies of other people's or our own, to stay in our zone of excellence, neglecting not just the fulfillment, but the actual growth that can come from being in our zone of genius. And obviously, I don't have the the answer for you. The, the answer lies within you. 
these are merely invitations for you to consider looking into like, okay, there's a part of you, yes, that wants to grow. And, and I can see the like the deep desire for that. And I think there's a lot that wants to emerge from that. And, and I think it's a beautiful thing. I think the question for you is more, what do I need to let go of in order for that to happen? And how can I clearly define the closer that will get me there? Because one potential thing that from the outside looking in emerged in this conversation, and yes, I know you're looking for a unicorn. Everybody always wants good salespeople. That's uniform throughout, but it's like one potential way to not just get me to do the thing that I'm most passionate about, but also be in a position of biggest growth is while spending more time in like the talent development pool. Right. And again, I'm not saying that's going to be the answer, but these are just invitations and doors for you to, to, to look at and to begin to explore. Okay. Well, where am I not actually looking because right now I have a pattern of doing the same thing in different contexts and then kind of getting a very similar result. So what is the thing that I'm not looking? What is the thing that I'm uncomfortable doing? What is the thing that feels maybe more risky, whether that be emotionally or mentally, that I might actually be resisting? So anything that comes out for you from that? I mean, I, I thought, I thought about trying to hire or looking for those five, 10 people and just say, almost like, like when I was hired at Bear Stearns, I was on a draw and I was basically getting paid almost nothing. And I worked my ass off until I got paid something. Um, and that helped me kind of establish myself in the business. So I was wondering if at some point, and that would be super uncomfortable for me because I'd be managing 10 people, right? Something I do not want to be doing necessarily, but managing 10 people to try to find that unicorn, that salesperson that can actually make it happen in this field and make it work. Um, and is there a so, possibility to hire out for that? Like oh, one person's responsible for finding making, and filtering through who's like, maybe not the unicorn, but like your unicorn. I honestly hadn't even thought about that. I just assumed it was me. <laughs> just, And that's kind of where I'm getting at, right? It, yeah. It's those inheritance because it's like, I spend 5% of my time in my zone of genius. I generally don't like managing people, yet the inherent assumption I'm doing is I have to manage people because that's the part that's going to move me forward. How can I manage more people, balance my life and still grow? Yeah. It's like, well, maybe that's the part that you need to let go of. Like what would happen if somebody else could free up 25% of your time to focus on research? Well, they'll, their sole outcome is find me a sales superstar. Like find me a young version of you who's willing to grind it out to be, you know, your, like for you to mentor them so that they can be where you are in 10, 20, 30 years, right? Like, like that kind of, and again, I know I'm just spitballing things out there, but like, is that a possibility if you're not always looking in the same direction? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, for sure. It's, uh, it's kind of funny that I just, I guess you just took it one extra level. Like my level was, hey, how do I hire the salesperson? And it's how do I hire the salesperson? But you're like, well, you don't clearly want to hire the salesperson and mentor them and like have them. But so maybe you hire that 
Okay. <laughs> Literally and never occurred to me, even though there's that, um, probably you've heard this book, uh, Who Not How, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's something I have tried to focus on, but it's just so hard because everything I think about goes through me. Like, it's how am I going to get this done? How is that going to happen? How can I do this? How can I get that? Yeah. And trying to ship to who, and I literally think about it all the time, but clearly. Yeah. And I think it's a perfect example, well. right? Because you're, you're basically, like, if we rewind back this conversation, like, you're basically asking, how can I be as much of an expert in all fields of management as I am in research? Like, how can I be the one that finds the superstar? How can I be the one that manages everything? How can I be the one that brings in the business? Right. Like, it's not surprising that a part of you is like, listen, I don't want 50% more work. This is already enough. I, I I want this other part. You know what I mean? So it's like, that. that's the cap, right? That subconscious stuff is like, it's quite powerful and it's quite crafty in how it gets us to like not do things. Yeah. So that's why I was asking, okay, well, what's the benefit that you get? So not only is it 50% more work, but it's 50% more work in the areas that you don't even want to be spending time in. Right. right. There's a very big inherent incentive to like not get you to do this. So yeah, changing the perspective, like, well, who can replace the things higher level that I don't want to do might be the leverage point that may not pay off in the next quarter, but will pay off quite a bit later, right? right? It's like the one step back to take two steps forward a bit, so. Yeah, I, there's definitely an aha moment. It's pretty funny that, again, as you said, you're a little bit too close to, way too close to us to see what I need to do. Yeah, yep. that, that's usually the case. So I, I'm glad uh, we were able to get there and right on time because I actually do have a, a hard stop uh, at the end of the hour. So um, why don't you then summarize in your own words, what kind of your biggest takeaways uh, were from this conversation? Oh, I'll say my big, I mean, the biggest takeaway is what we were just talking about. Um, it's, and I'm going to go, I'm definitely going to read your book, The Big Leap. But um, for me, it was like the who, not how, who, who, not how can I do this? Who can I get to do this thing that I need to get done to help me get to the next level? And I did hire, as I said, I hired somebody to handle all the trading and whatnot. And that actually worked out really well for me. I have for a while, I was just, I was my own assistant, of course, I hired an assistant to help with that. And that's worked out well. So I need to, I was stuck with how do I hire, a hire, you know, how do I hire a salesperson and shouldn't, maybe it shouldn't be me hiring the salesperson it should be, I hire somebody to figure out that problem. Or even one of the people that are working for me right now, I can have them figure out that problem. Yeah. But you see what I mean? Like now you have a closer situation. Now it's like, okay, if, if the vision that I really want and when I'm clear and I know what I want is to hire somebody who can find me the superstar, yeah. now it narrows the possibility. Now it's not I'm chasing more, right? I want more time with my family. I want more assets. I'm like, I, I'm under my potential. Like it's a very stressful, semi-hopeless type of perspective. Whereas now, okay, so what's going to get me closer to finding this person? Do I hire a headhunter who's going to do the work? Do I hire internally? Okay. So now it's like, you know, like th there's actual options for you to like make moves on. And I have so, hired a headhunter in the past to try and look for 
other businesses to buy, which I had tried to do myself again, I tried to like make the phone calls and, and I, I was like, okay, it's just too much. I can't do it. I just, it's overwhelming and I'm not getting anywhere. So I did hire a headhunter and I've had some marginal success as far as like introduce me to people, but Right. So again, I know I we're short on time, but just again, the, the other through line that I want to like, it's again, me, I'm doing the thing, right? right. So it's like, if you're talking about, well, how do people have capacity to manage a billion where I have like the capacity and I'm like, I'm at my wits end to like handle 70. Oh. Well, yeah, we all have the same 24 hours, but then look at how those 24 hours are utilized. Yep. Right. It, it's, it's, it's a, for you, it's it's a capacity issue much more than an ability issue, right? And you can be as smart as you are and as brilliant as you are, but if you got to juggle 10 plates, then eventually one of those plates is going to fall versus if you're hyper-focused on juggling the one to two that you're really good at, which is really that whole zone of genius conversation. I think that's really where the potential for the exponent, exponential things exists because everything's multiplicative, whereas now it's very linear based off of your like capacity. 100%. I like Perfect. it. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for for diving into that. This was a, a different bit of conversation than I usually have, but I'm glad that it was uh, it was uh, useful. So <laughs> why don't you just uh, close us off and let everybody know where to find you, who's the best person to find you. Floor is yours for that. I don't know. Probably the best way is uh, I'm on LinkedIn, of course, at uh, LinkedIn at cruiseam.com. I have a YouTube channel that's actually Stu Cruise, S-T-U-K-R-U-S-E. And um can email me at stuart at cruiseam.com. Beautiful. Well, as always, we'll include those in the show notes. Uh, Stuart, thank you very much for being on and for everybody else listening. We'll uh, see you on the next one. Thanks for having me.